The sacrifice of Christ as an atonement for sin is a great truth around which all other truths cluster. In order to be rightly understood and appreciated, every truth in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation must be studied in the light that streams from the cross of Calvary. I present before you the great grand monument of mercy and regeneration, salvation and redemption, the Son of God uplifted on the cross. This is to be the foundation of every discourse given by our ministers. Hi, my name is William Earnhardt. I'm a Bible worker in the Florida area. And I just shared with you my favorite quote from Gospel Workers, page 315. And now I would like to share with you the Bible teaching on the second coming in light of the cross. The second coming of Christ is the blessed hope of the church, the grand climax of the gospel. The Savior's coming will be literal, personal, visible, and worldwide. When he returns, the righteous dead will be resurrected and together with the righteous living will be glorified and taken to heaven. But the unrighteous will die. The almost complete fulfillment of most lines of prophecy, together with the present condition of the world, indicates that Christ's coming is near. The time of that event has not been revealed, and we are all therefore told to be ready at all times. Why is it important to understand the truth about the second coming? Jesus himself says many people will try to impersonate his coming. So he told us exactly how he would come so we will not be deceived. And we can read about that in Matthew 24. Why is it important to understand the second coming in light of the cross? There's a difference between believing Jesus will come and loving his appearing. Children who are misbehaving at home while mother is out running errands. <coughs> Sorry. Children who are misbehaving at home while mother is out running errands believe she is coming again. But since they've misbehaved and have made a mess out of the house, they don't really love her appearing. A true Adventist is one who not only believes in Jesus' coming, but is in love with him and his appearing. They are like Paul in Galatians 6.14 and in love with the cross and crucified to the world. The Bible often refers to the church as a woman. In Revelation 12 we see that. Revelation 19.7 mentions a bride who's ready for marriage with the Lamb. Who could the Lamb be but Jesus, and who could the bride be but his church? Now, when you go to a wedding, you'll notice a very pretty little girl all dressed up. She's the flower girl. She's prepared for the wedding, but the groom doesn't wish to marry the flower girl. Oh, she's pretty all right, and she's prepared, but she's not come prepared for the groom. No, she has come prepared for the cake and punch after the service. The groom doesn't want to marry a flower girl, and neither does Jesus. The groom, Jesus, wants to marry the bride. 
You see, the bride has come and is prepared for one thing and one thing only. It's not the cake and punch. No, the bride cares about the groom. You see, Jesus is not returning for flower girls who get all excited about cake and punch, golden streets and mansions. Jesus is returning for a bride who cares about him. Even Satan believes Jesus is returning, but that belief will not do him any good since he is not in love with Jesus. At the cross, we see how much Jesus loves us and desires to be with us and it inspires us to love him and want to be with him. Friends, Christ is coming back to marry his bride, the church. Could it be that Christ is not, one of the reasons Christ has not returned yet is because the church wants to date Jesus, but isn't really ready to marry him? The world wants to, the, uh, the church, I'm sorry, the church wants to flirt with Jesus, but also wants to flirt with the world. Jesus isn't returning to flirt. He's not coming back for a date. Jesus is coming back for a wedding. He's coming back to marry his bride, the church. Is the church ready to stop dating? Is the church ready to stop flirting? Is the church ready to marry Jesus? Let's take a further look at the Bible teaching of the second coming. In John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus gives us a wonderful promise that gives us so much hope. John 14, 1 through 3 reads, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. John 14, one through three. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But Jesus has promised to come again. I will come and get you. Did you know that there are twice as many promises in the Bible about Jesus' second coming as there were about his first coming as a baby to grow up and and live and, and die for us? Twice as many promises about his second coming. That is wonderful. How will he come? Acts 1, 9 through 11 gives us the answer. It reads, after saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Acts 1, 9 through 11. So he went up physically, visibly into heaven and he will see be seen returning the same way. 
Now, will he be returning as a real person? Let's take a look at Acts 24, 36 to 43. It reads, And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Luke 24, 36-43 So Jesus will return with a, a real body. He's a real person. When he returns, those of us that are that will be resurrected will be given real bodies. We'll recognize each other. We're not going to be spirits floating around. We'll be resurrected at the second coming with real bodies. And just as they recognize Jesus, we will recognize one another. What does Jesus liken his coming to? Matthew 24, 27 reads, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Matthew 24, 27. It was pointed out to me a while back that all of the graves and cemeteries are placed so that when the person is resurrected from their grave, they will be facing the east. And that is because of this prophecy of Jesus that as the lightning shines from the east to the west so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now of course it doesn't matter how we're buried we're, we're going to see Jesus when he returns but I still thought it was a pretty cool thing that uh, many people are are buried so that when they come up out of their grave they're facing Jesus coming out of the east. And I've I found that to be true 99.5% of the time. I think I found once or twice a grave that wasn't buried facing the east, but uh, with very few exceptions, most are. And that just, that idea comes from Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. What type of glory will accompany Jesus when he returns? Matthew 24, 30 reads, And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Matthew 24, 30. Whose glory is it? Luke 926 tells us if anyone is ashamed of me and my message the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels Luke 926 
Now, what will the angels do at the second coming? Matthew 24, 31 reads, And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Matthew 24, 31. This leads us to the precious promise about what happens to those who have died when Christ returns. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 reads, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 What will happen to the islands and mountains when Christ returns? Revelation 6, 14-17 reads, The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they cried to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? Revelation 6, 14-17 By the way, Revelation 7 answers that question, who will survive? Revelation 7 goes on to describe those who have the seal of God and will be ready when he returns and will not be asking for the rocks and stones and mountains to fall on them. This is a, a part of the, uh, the message of the cleansing of the sanctuary. God is preparing a people who will never die, who will be ready to be translated when he returns. Malachi 3, 1 through 3, asks the same question when it says the Lord returns to his temple to purify the, the church, purify the Levites. It says, who will be able to, to endure his coming? And again, it goes on to explain those who have been purified, he will refine them and purify them. And so the, the message of the cleansing of the sanctuary, which we discussed in a previous podcast, that message prepares us to never die. Yes, many people preach a gospel that will prepare you to die, and that is wonderful. But the message of the cleansing of the sanctuary prepares you to never die. It prepares you to be translated. Again, the question is asked here in Revelation 6, verse 17, who is able to survive? And then we read in Revelation 7, the answer to that question, those who have the seal of God. How many will see him coming? Revelation 1, 7 
reads, Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Revelation 1-7. And in the King James Version, it says, Every eye will see him. Here it says, Everyone will see him. We all have that blessed hope, that promise, that assurance that we will see him coming. Let's go back to where we began in John 14, 1 through 3. The first time we looked at this passage, we saw the promise that Jesus is returning. But now I want us to see why he is returning. And in John 14, 1 through 3, again it reads, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus is returning so that we can always be with him forever. Somebody might ask Jesus, you know, why did you leave your throne to die on a cross? Why did you leave golden streets to walk the path to Calvary? Why did you give up your crown to be given a crown of thorns? And Jesus' answer would be, so that I can be with you. Heaven will not be heaven to Jesus unless you are there with him. That's why he left that crown to take a crown of thorns. That's why he left his throne to die for you on a cross. That's why he left the golden streets to trod the road to Calvary. Because your presence is what makes heaven paradise to Jesus. He wants to be with you. Friend, do you want to be with him when he returns? Do you want to be with him now? Do you want to be ready for his second coming? Friend, I would love to help you. If you have any questions or would like any further study, reach out to me at racer3, and you spell out the three, so it's R-A-C-E-R T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and God bless you.